Drive to Survive um, really is the gateway drug. So yeah, <laughs> it really they they really know how to create stories out of everywhere on the grid, mm -hmm. which is always very exciting. And you no, know, we wouldn't have the personality of Gunter and really understand everything he has to offer without Drive to Survive. I would argue we wouldn't have Daniel Ricardo. So <laughs> I have to agree. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm emotionally prepared. DTS, DTS, DTS. Hello everyone, it is Brianna the next day from my editing cave. Nicole and I last night, while watching this in our delirium, recorded a lot more content than we expected. So I'm gonna be splitting up these reactions into multiple parts. Uh, you're listening to part one right now and part two will go live tomorrow. So make sure you hit the follow button, maybe turn on auto downloads, and it will be automatically in your feed ready to listen to tomorrow. Thank you all for listening to this special DTS episode of Gridwalk. I don't know why I didn't expect you to do that. I don't know, I didn't expect myself to do it. <laughs> I just hit record and you just started chanting. I was like, ah! That's the what happens, but. We get cars on track in a different way today, and it's I've been previous in, cars on track. I've been in a testing data hole for two days, and unfortunately testing happens in the middle of the night, but then I wake up and I just like listen to cars on track and look at lap times. So I'm a little like fuzzy over the eyes, and I'm ready to watch drama instead of lap right. times. Yeah. DTS could not be more opposite of pre- of like preseason testing. testing. Yeah. It's really like the two opposite ends of F1 content we have right. uh, we got this week. That's it's why really I think it's so genius of a marketing strategy to drop Drive to Survive one week before the season starts and preseason testing because most people are not us where I'm doing both and you're doing both. But like, if whatever way you get hyped for the F1 season, here you go. It's obviously a different episode than normal. One, it is not a Thursday. Two, Nicole's in a different place. My lighting is less dramatic and I'm in a blanket. And that's because this is our DTS reaction show. Woohoo, yes. Um, so normally we do release our episodes every Thursday. We talk about what we're obsessing with F1 that week. Lots of fun, quick-witted banter, silly, um, little segments that we do every single week lots of fun sounders we're a little chaotic but in the best way possible yeah. uh so overall disclaimer we are both the type of people who wake up at the crack of dawn 3 a.m for me for bahrain to watch free practice one which is not a points giving session so we do know all the details about what happened in the season last year because we followed it obsessively um and so a lot of what Drive to Survive is, is simplifying storylines and making them accessible for new people to come in, which is why it's so cool. And we're mostly just excited to get behind the scenes of all our favorite F1 personalities, but we are coming at it from that perspective. Uh, but big F1 fans and love Drive to Survive. So going to get mostly positive excitement and panic from us over here as we see all the behind the scenes. Yes, we are here for the drama, 
Parker's here for this chew stick. <laughs> he wanted to participate in the conversation, so we're having him distracted. But yes, we're here for the drama. This is a Netflix show. It's for entertainment. I'm sure there will be, you know, not exactly how everything that happened, but... But cool. It's fun. Reality TV. We're, we love it. I actually do love reality TV. Um, all right, so how this episode's going to work is we're going to be reacting to every single episode after we watch it. So right now, neither of us have seen anything. Of course, we know what happened in the season, but we haven't seen a single episode of Drive to Survive. We're going to put it on, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to record our thoughts, give you our instant reactions. We're actually going to rate everything from one light, two lights out, and away we go, uh, which will be fun. And then, of course, whether you're listening to this or watching it on YouTube, we're going to have time codes and chapters so if you listen to a specific episode, you want to jump and hear our thoughts about that, you'll be easily able to do that. And then, of course, we want to hear your thoughts. So, you know, ugh. we want to hear your thoughts. So head over to at Gridwalk Show on any social media channel. Tell us what you thought. Did you agree with our take on every episode? I think there's going to be a few based on the titles that Nicole and I are going to feel vastly different about. I think a few are going to make us cry. So we want to hear how they make you feel. Also, if you have found this video or this podcast because this is your first foray into F1, like, please stick around. Uh, we're not like a tech podcast or an educational podcast, but we are just like a fun group chat. <laughs> Thank you, Parker. Thank you for agreeing. Parker is a part of our group chat. Um, so we would love to have you. We'd love to have all new fans and like anyone who's just excited about F1, like join us, join Gridwalk. It'll be a lot of fun to have you so much oh my god i the, as soon as it was like and we're racing in bahrain i was like it's happening even though this is in the past well and we're also so it's, it's friday we're watching this we're watching on release day which means it is five days until free practice and not uh, i can't math no it's seven days until free practice nine days until we actually get to i just i want racing again i Lights out, lights out. I, I, that was so many feelings. So we just finished episode one. <laughs> yeah, I just was like, racing! <laughs> I took notes as we were watching because I'm forgetful. And that was emotional. <laughs> yeah, okay. Notes. Look, look um, at this. They're paper. <laughs> I sort of took notes in order. So I figured I'd throw out a thought to you and then we'll just like chat. Go. I'm so happy to see Lewis back in the interview seat. It was, I mean, he didn't look happy, but it was no. like, yes, I want, I need him in this setting, especially if we were getting Max back in his seat on this. I think I'm sure Lewis was like, if he's going to do it, you know, I think it was the right move of having his voice be a part of this story. Yes. And we're getting very limited Mercedes this season no even knowing that next episode will be about mercedes but i've also decided okay so going into this we knew max was back in the seat they make a whole big deal about it blah 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 and we we know that max's team has veto power basically like like they were basically got to consult on max's uh view coming out of this like they wanted to make max look good yeah. and i decided after watching this that max just needs to lean into being a heel 
Like, they asked him, like, why'd you go with number one on your car? And he gave the most wet blanket answer I've ever heard that I don't even remember it. Like, just come out and say, because I won that championship. And I wanted it on my car. Instead, he's like, well, it became available. And I'm like, that is just boring. Like, either be charismatic and entertaining or lean into it. Be the bad guy. It's okay. You know, he was just kind of like a straddle of the in-between of it, but... Yeah. It's and boring. Um, seeing the W13 before it races <laughs> made me nauseous. <laughs> when George was like, the first time I saw this car, all I thought was, it looks fast. And I'm just like, you're wrong. Like, it just, it made me ill to see it. And everyone's looking at it. It's like, our car looks different than everybody else's. It's like... Mm-hmm. It is it's still comfortably the third fastest car, though. So some right. context here is like F1 tech nerd. So like the thing everyone wants to talk about is Mercedes side pods, but like that car doesn't end up being slow or porpoising because of those side pods. But I did enjoy Charles walking up and basically being like, "What's this shit?" <laughs> Everyone's like, "Why does your car look that way?" Yeah, no, that's it was. But thank God it's gone. Uh, I missed dramatic drive to survive transitions. Like the radioing into Kevin Magnuson and then them zooming in on his helmet. And then they like flash to Denmark and show that he has a family now. And that implying that that's what's on his mind. Like perfection. Mm-hmm. Every time I get in the car, I think now it's different because I have a family to think about. And da, 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 da. And just in general... Yes, again, it's all for entertainment and it's all drama, but the shots of, like, the racing shots and how this whole race is portrayed of the storyline of Ferrari and a Red Bull downfall and, like, obviously knowing of what continues of happening. It was just so movie cinematic. Even the shot of Pierre jumping out of the car fully on fire, which, of course, is a terrifying thing, was an unbelievable shot that someone filmed. Just, wow. So really scary. high production, as always. I forgot how scary that failure was. Because it's been a year now, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Box boxes, or box-to-box films. Mm-hmm. My brain just goes box-box. box uh, The documentary crew's ability to make anyone the main character of an episode is still unmatched. Like, I... That Kevin Magnuson story was huge. And was, like, one of the biggest stories. And Haas being P5 was huge. But they, if you, like, had never seen anything, you would think that Haas would be super competitive all season and that Kevin's going to be participating in the championship. And it's like, nope, this is it. This is the peak. But that's okay because it was so good and so dramatic. Yeah. I literally said um, my big K-Mag moments. One, oh my gosh, him being a dad. And I love how Box to Box is making every single thing that he's involved in in this episode look unbelievably epic. And also, his baby celebrating for the P5 was so cute. Just little hands. <laughs> I stand by that the strength of this show is I just like walk, like hearing what they say when they walk around. Like, it's just like the casual statements mm-hmm, is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, Mattia and Gunther spinoff, not a creative thought. Everyone I've seen is saying this, but yes, I wholeheartedly agree. I would watch those two driving around for... 10 hours of television of just that. 
Mm-hmm. I, I said this as we were watching the first episode. I was like, this looks like it's the new comedians in cars getting coffee. But yeah. the constant, I mean, watching the, how they're explaining the Ferrari storyline and then just knowing Mattia's future at the end of it, it's all just an incredible buildup. But I just loved as they're talking about things and then they cut to him like chugging and. wine and then at the end of the episode Gunther's like yeah you know we should just not listen to people in the future and then they like clink glasses and they're still drinking wine like it's just like yeah this is why everything is like you know they're on vacation they're in a vineyard they're drinking wine and this is you know they're shot specifically shot for the Netflix show like yeah. I don't think Petit and Gunther just vacation together but I think they should I, mm-hmm. I'm fully in favor of that um I'm trying there was one uh, oh um, you know, like always, there are actually a lot of women who work in Formula One. Shocking. Um, we had a total of one woman with a speaking line this entire episode, and it was K-Mag's daughter cooing. Yeah, not a, so, not a, not a great, not a great look so far on like the, was it the Bechtel scale thing at all? I mean, not that I think this would ever pass that, but just like, you know, fails every a, year. a woman would be cool. So. I will put out there that the uh, people in charge, like the documentary crew, understands that this is a problem, and they like to push off the problem on Formula One, and they're like, F1, hire more women. And I will argue to that, F1 has hired many women, and mm-hmm. there's also many women commentators, and there's like lots of females who are not the wives and girlfriends of just the drivers and the team principals that could be present. So or ex-girlfriends. We did get... Oh, yes. You know what? I was wrong. We had two female speaking lines. I completely forgot that Lando's ex-girlfriend had a line. Great. That was a shocking... It felt like a jump scare in that. I was not anticipating um, that to be part of the storyline of the episode. Um, Yeah. Hey, Box to Box Films, Netflix, if you would like a list of women who I think it would be interesting for you to integrate in your storylines who work for these teams. Like I'm not in formula one, but I could still give you that list because I, I consume it every week and I do follow this. So I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. It is possible. And I think you should take a little responsibility too. Thank you. Rant's done. (laughs) We can go back to talking about how this is just Goofy, silly, fun. Um, Netflix is con- and Box Box Films continuing their love letter just to Haas in general, to Gunther in general. I admire their commitment to how they know Haas was such a big, important part of making Drive to Survive of what it is and having storylines, even though they're, you know, maybe not the most exciting performance when you're watching the live season. But I appreciate that they're committed to still including them and involving them heavily in the process. They know the people like Gunther's absurd lines like asking me on Mattia does your nose fit in that wine glass like all right how do you rate the episode from one light to lights out and away we go a three I feel like I may have to adjust but first episode you know met expectations it's middle of the road for me I got Lewis speaking and Mattia and Gunther in a car, like to me this feels like it's gonna go downhill from here, knowing what I know about the season. So I'm gonna give this a solid four lights. It's not a five light or a lights out, but it's a four light, four light. Okay. Wow, okay, so episode two, we just finished. <laughs> <laughs> so 
admittedly, Nicole and I recorded this entire segment already, and it somehow didn't record, and I just, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So, we're going to start over. If we sound less enthusiastic, that's why. This is an emotional, and this is a, it's an emotional Mercedes episode. We go through a lot of, you know, returning to torturous feelings of last year. Hearing Toto yeah. say the word failure so many times. Yeah. I thought it was cool that we got to see the behind the scenes of his, like, talk at Harvard. Even though I know that talk at Harvard happened in, like, October. So, like, way after the events of what we see. But it was still cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> it feels weird. Because I'm repeating myself. But none of you heard what I said. So, you know, great. Um, I, we have spent the last 12 months hearing F1, particular members of F1 media dig their heels in on some very incorrect storylines from last season. And I was fully going into this episode expecting for that to just be the storyline because apparently no one in F1 media was able to come up with a better storyline all season than something that we all know to be incorrect because it's better to lie about Lewis Hamilton than to just tell the story. And I really appreciated that they didn't harp on all those incorrect storylines, which I'm not even saying because if you didn't follow last season and you were watching this, I don't even need to tell you the lies that have been spreading because they're lies and this show didn't even touch on them. And this, to me, like, the stakes of this is Lewis's worst car of his entire career, or at least his worst car since that last McLaren car, but he still won a race in that last McLaren car. And, like, will he retire? He's physically in a lot of pain, and can Mercedes engineering team, like, fix this? Like, those are all really engaging storylines. So it just, it honestly, upon reflection, just makes me even angrier that I've had to spend 12 months listening to F1 Media make up other storylines, because these storylines are engaging and exciting and good enough to follow. Yes, and... I just hearing Toto and George and Lewis talking about how last season was and that it was a very humbling experience. You know, I think they did grow a lot from it. Hopefully going into this season, it did something, but again, consistently talking about the failures and just being really honest about last year. I, it was painful to hear, but I'm glad they were acknowledging all of it. Uh, and you know, but Toto was candid throughout the whole episode, but particularly during that team principal meeting, which we had heard rumblings about. Uh, someone linked it in the media that there was a screaming match and Netflix cameras were there to capture it all. The amount Thoughts? of hype I have heard about this meeting, like since it happened, and it was so subdued and so boring. Like, I would say of all the things that happened in this episode, that was the part that had me rolling my eyes the most. And it was probably because it got so much hype that it's going to be the screaming match of the century that you see on the Hype to Survive. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, Toto looked, like, upset and concerned for driver safety. And admittedly, uh, what he was saying, like, Checo did make a ton of quotes about how bad the car was. And Christian, to this day, pretends those quotes don't exist. So, like, they didn't fabricate any of that. But it just wasn't as dramatic as everyone said it was going to be. 
No, it, it felt like there was a fight in the high school cafeteria. <laughs> like even not everyone was involved. Williams team principals are just like, you know, we're just watching the drama. It's fun to watch. And then like, as everyone's being dismissed, they're all like clicking together and being like, he, 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 Gunther's like running up to everyone and be like, ha ah, wasn't that crazy guys? Like, wow. He was like so upset. And Mattia and Christian of like, as we had saw last year, being like buddy, buddy of like, Oh, he's so tired. Like, Oh, he should just fix his forking car. It was just so unbelievably high school. I did love when Toto and Stefano was like, no, we're not talking about this right now. He's like, no, I am talking. I am talking now. And I am talking. And it was, yeah. So high school drama was not what I was expecting from the buzzing last season. Right. So, but again, silly, silly entertainment. So I have a couple of like random thoughts and takeaways that have nothing to do with the actual storyline. One, we've watched two hours of Drive to Survive. And if you didn't watch last season, you would have zero idea that Max won 17 of the 22 races, Red Bull won 19 of the 22 races, and completely dominated this championship. All we've seen is Ferrari's doing great, and Mercedes is back in fighting, and like <laughs> they dominated the championship. Um, number two, uh, Lewis with his hair down. Love it. Um, we spent all last season upset, rightfully so, that Bonotto spent the entire time politically aligning himself with Red Bull, which was great for Red Bull, considering, remember, 17 of 22 races Max won. <laughs> One of the most dominant seasons in F1 ever. And Benotto spent the entire time politically aligning himself with Christian Horner, which we got to see here, which was dumb. Um, and there was a giant iPad, and I thought it was cool. Um, you see that they were, like, writing, when, like, well, we need to fix this part of the car here. And I was like, that's awesome. Yes, technology is incredible. I'm glad they have the jumbo iPads. Um, my big takeaways: we had a Sam Collins spotting, spotting, but super quick interviewing Toto, and I was like, "Oh, I miss you. Can't wait to see you." Tom Cruise, big supporting character in this episode, was not anticipating him to say so many words and be involved, but like, you know what? Netflix did something. Um, Hey, everyone at Netflix and BoxBox Films, how dare you have Susie Wolf be present in so many moments at all and her just not say anything because rude, 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 rude. We were just talking about episode one that there was not female presence. She was there. She's right there. That entire Harvard Business School talk was the two of them. Just, you can't, like, it's not, she's not just there to have Toto, like, complain to. So I've committed, and in this episode, women said six lines, none of which were crucial to the story or consequential. Cool. And I just, there were actually visually a ton of women in this episode because the diversity, and specifically the gender diversity of the Mercedes team in particular is impeccable. And so many of those women, like we could just put them in the seat. We didn't need Will Buxton the entire time. Even though I thought he does a great job. I'm not trying to get, like, Will Buxton can keep his job. But, like, maybe, or, like, maybe have Angela say one thing considering she's Lewis's physio. So we're we're doing the whole storyline about how much of pain he was in after Baku. Like, maybe have her say one thing about the recovery. Like, there were multiple opportunities to bring, like, women in that team into this. And to your point, like, Susie is a great interview. We saw her in all last season. 
and like maybe at least just let her respond to Toto. You don't have to cut it after Toto complains to her. <laughs> it's really, but we're up from episode one. We've had six women speak. Um, and one of them I'll point out is the Toto the dog that we opened this up with. And that dog really was very cute. I thought that was a great opening to the episode. And I could just imagine like, wow, what a great way to solidify like meeting Toto when he comes back to campus is like, I might, oh, the girl who named her dog after him. Right. So, right. Um, love it. I did and, love it. And we returned to Silverstone. So again, Silverstone, what God, it just brought me back to like the emotional roller coaster that was that race for so many reasons. I mean, we have to acknowledge, and, and it, I will never get used to watching Joe's accident. But every time I watch it, it feels like it's getting longer. It lasts forever. It's so absolutely terrifying. I, then they cut to the empty chair, and he like walks in. I, all of it was just as pu putting me on edge as like the first time that I saw it. Yeah, I admittedly i so there are people who watch formula one because they like the risk of someone being very injured or dying i am so far from that i would actually like the sport more if you could guarantee me there would be zero injury ever like that would make me a bigger f1 fan and we have an f1 podcast so i love f1 um i think i i understand that that's part of the sport and they're gonna make it dramatic i make i'm so uncomfortable by it and the only thing that made me comfortable was knowing that he's completely okay but if i was watching that for the first time i would feel so uncomfortable that they like left an empty seat and then like because they they elongated the drama of that and i it just made me nauseous even knowing that everything was okay i also know that i think what george did was amazing but i I'm constantly uncomfortable with the like turning him into a hero storyline and then like if Joe doesn't have another part in this entire thing other than to like eulogize how great of a person George Russell is like I just really hope he's in future episodes like being his own person versus like because George did cause that crash so instead of commenting that George could have killed Joe. They had Joe sit in a seat and talk about how nice of a person George is, which he seems to be. I just, some of that makes me, there's a lot of that that makes me incredibly uncomfortable is really what I'm just right, saying. Right. I'm hoping you. that I'm, I'm now saying this with hoping that there is more Joe yes. in yes. this. You're reacting in right. the moment. Right, so. right. I just am, I, I enjoyed the perspective that George provided of just like, this is the worst fear as a driver and like having another driver there and just calling over the marshals. And of course, obviously George being involved in that crash is something to include. And not the last time we see it last season of George being involved in a crash. Um, <laughs> but a little, aggressive. A little yeah. bit. Yes. Yeah. So it was, again, I'm on the used Joe Moore train constantly. We apparently maybe not have too much off Romeo, but we'll see. Um, just again, it's, it's a miracle. It's incredible that he's okay on a positive piece of Silverstone. It still is just as hype inducing to hear through goes Lewis Hamilton. I just see the bird and it's yelling that meme. I it's embedded in my brain. I'm jumping out of my like seat as I'm watching the race. Absolutely love it. Every time I hear it, I have that clip like etched in my eyes, please. Like, yep. oh. 
And we're going to return to Silverstone, I'm pretty sure, in a later episode. And we'll get to see Carlos win. Uh, but, yeah, this was a great race. This was probably the best race of the season. So as much time as we can spend in Silverstone would be great. I will point out my sole big disappointment from this episode is that shot of Lewis talking to the fans after the race. Roscoe was there. But there was no Roscoe in Drive to Survive. And that is criminal. Roscoe is Lewis's dog. I know we're, this is, you know, we don't need to teach everyone everything, but it's so important for everyone to know who Roscoe is. Yeah, and uh, he does have his own Instagram, Roscoe does, and it's um, up for debate whether Lewis runs Roscoe's account or if Lewis pays a social media manager to run Roscoe's account. It is also up for debate which of those options is better. I like to go with the both. I just like to imagine that, like, he pays a social media agency to run the account, and so he gets sent copy. Like, hey, we're going to post this photo of Roscoe, and it's going to sound like this. And, like, Lewis sends feedback about... Oh, because important context. The Instagram account, uh, it comes from the perspective of the dog. So, like, the caption is, like, I went for a walk instead of, like, my, like someone took Roscoe for a walk. So I just love the idea that there's a copywriter writing this copy, and then Lewis is like, no, 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 Roscoe wouldn't sound like that. Mm-hmm. How would you rate this from one light to lights out? Uh, I am giving this episode a four lights out. I would have given a five lights out and not an all lights out. But it's, you know, not necessarily like a super hypey episode. It's a little bit of a downer sometimes. But lots of Mercedes content in any sense of the way gets me like really excited and I'll be interested. So four lights out of five for me. I think this is a five lighter for me so like a step before lights out on the way we go because i agree that it wasn't hype and for me to be like it's lights out on the way we go on an episode i feel like i need to feel hype but watching lewis tell all those people that he's going to be sticking around for a while and then he's sitting in the seat and telling us like i legitimately started to cry which is embarrassing because i'm just so happy he's not leaving um so five but like i I don't know. I'm reserving my lights out. Maybe at the end when we're recapping the whole season, this will become my lights out on the way we go. Because like, I'm so happy he's staying. Yeah. Him in the chair. And he's like, game on. I'm like, he's right. Game on. We're ready. (laughs) I genuinely wrote no notes for this episode. Like what else is there to say? Like, I felt like we lived this all last year. I'm like, yep. Okay. Yay. Carlos. (laughs) the Ferrari vibes were um, the same. It all felt very familiar, but I was living for all of the Miami GP content. I I loved seeing Hard Rock Stadium. I mean, University of Miami, for anyone who doesn't know, is a big part of the identity, and seeing uh, Hard Rock and Drive to Survive still rocked my world. Um, we had a couple of celebrity sightings, so that I did take note of throughout the entire thing. We saw Ginger Spice, which is no surprise because Ginger Spice's husband is a main character of this whole franchise. Uh, double Paracel and sightings, Zoe Saldana, Caitlyn Jenner, and David Beckham, because we were not going to leave the Miami GP without a David Beckham sighting. Listening to Paris Hilton go, that's hot, literally, was fantastic. Yeah, and it was 95 degrees. Everyone Seeing everyone sweat in Miami heat was iconic. Yeah. But, yeah, it was 
we, we, it was Ferrari. We knew exactly what to expect in matter of principle Ferrari themed episode. Um, and it gave me exactly, you know, what I first saw. I wish there was more like behind the scenes stuff I hadn't seen. This is the first episode so far where I feel like I've seen everything that we saw with the exception of we got high res shots, not just things on our Instagram of them playing paddle. <laughs> Or pickleball, pickleball, I don't pickleball. know. Yeah, I mean, I think we also just came off a really big Silverstone episode. So then now going back to Silverstone and seeing like a different perspective of it, I think also after how everything we saw in Silverstone, I think it was then like, oh yeah, Carlos also won his race that time. And I wish it was like a little bit of distance. So it could have been more like, yay, Carlos's first race win. And still it's not just like, wow, this also happened after that atrocious <laughs> you know, accident with Joe and everything like that. But yeah, no, it's always fun to see Carlos getting that P1 on the podium. Yeah. I feel like I've already like expended all my emotions about Carlos getting pole and winning that race because I lived it. So mm -hmm. like retweet my feelings from a long time ago. Like that was a great day. Like I, I really think they could do an entire drive to survive season just on Silverstone. We probably will go back again because we haven't even touched on the like why Max wasn't involved in that fight they haven't talked about it once they did it it was like one sentence in the last episode when but and then he just was like that's it and then he comes in and then more smoke and things um but it's there's it's very obvious that they're going with the growth of the charles villain era throughout the storyline i mean like episode one he's a hopeful young looks very well rested <laughs> looking <laughs> and by episode three we have the now famous clip of Mattia finger wagging, yelling at Charles and Charles yelling. And I'm just like, wow, but this is just gone too far of um, everyone acting like an immature child. Yeah. I think it's great that we finally got to the point where they've explained to us that Red Bull is dominating the season. That Miami race was a turning point for all of us. So, mm -hmm. um, but and yeah, I mean, it was a good episode. Yeah, it was the first time we got the acknowledgement of American viewership and growth of Formula One and Stefano singing the national anthem. And it, what was I don't know. I'm surprised they didn't plant a seed in like of Matias' departure. I feel like this was this like plant of the seed, and they did a couple of the like speculating of oh, like will he be out? But it's still like just True. tweets and things. I think this is the way that they yeah. are going to plant the seed. And I think we're going to get another Ferrari episode where they're just yeah. still not getting it. I'm guaranteed we're going to get like plan F, plan G, plan <laughs> A, plan B. They'll do it. If they finger plan wag, they crash. will do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll probably see Charles crash in France and then yeah. get the whole They'll probably do like a compilation of like that. And then like Carlos getting like Carlos and Georgia Coda. But yeah. now we're speculating when we're in the middle of this and we're not here to speculate what's going to continue. Yeah. Um, okay, what would you rate this episode? Uh, three. I'm back down. I enjoyed the Mercedes episode more. This just gave me the Ferrari strategy agita that I don't think is going anywhere. I personally watched Drive to Survive for like behind the scenes things I haven't seen I didn't really get any of that in this, so I'm gonna give it a one. So my 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 notes for this episode were mick 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 mick. That is literally <laughs> like all I wrote. Oh, where's my camera? 
Mick, 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 Mick. I didn't write a single note. Um, I did change into a sweater, though, because we're getting later in the night, and I drank a Celsius. Um, but I don't know. Like, this this episode was just, like, sad. Like, I'm just, we... I just feel sad. It was sad. There's more Haas. I was, I knew Gunther, it was going to be like a, they were going to frame it being a Mick problem, which it fully wasn't. I also don't like, I thought this episode could have like just resolved the everything that happens. Right. Are we going to spend more time with Haas? I don't need yes. to spend more time with Haas. We still have to see K-Mag get pole. You think that oh. we're not going to get that as an episode? No, we can't speculate. This is a reaction. This is, we're reacting to episode five. My reaction is this gave me very little to react to. Because this was the first episode I really felt the, oh, I saw this all and this feels um, dramatized for Netflix, which is, I'm totally on board for, but it just got dramatized in a way, to your point, that made it all Mick's fault instead of like letting Haas take some equal responsibility for the fact that by the time Mick got up to speed, the car wasn't able to fight for points and maybe develop and support your drivers. Like you don't have to be an asshole just cause it's formula one. Yeah. The whole, this was a big story, a Haas storyline without the Haas piece being involved in like the crucial part of like the right. performance of the vehicle. Right. <laughs> yeah. So again, not an entire Mick problem. But yeah, they very much are portraying as like K-Mag is like so much better than him. Which I guess if you want to be in like comparison, like if you want to look at just points. But like in actuality, they both weren't competitive. But right. watching this, it looks like <laughs> yeah, this, Nick was doing this nothing. in-season storyline was frustrating too because... More often than not in F1, it's like whoever does the best in the first three races, the F1 media is like becomes ingrained that that's the answer. So like K-Mag got that P5 and then it didn't matter what Mick did. Like Mick was in a losing position because no one wants to pay a ton of attention to Haas to like see what's actually going on or, you know, the people calculating race pace, myself included, admittedly weren't calculating Mick versus Kevin fighting for p15 through p20 like i was just like yeah whatever's happening back there but it was i i also just found it really intriguing assuming this clip was from silverstone just like the voice audio of the conversation between gunther and uh, k mag or maybe it was g no i think it was k it was k mag when he, they were talking about like who to potentially replace him with I like and, it was Gene, but I right. Yeah. I, I think that was right after Gene walked in, but it wasn't like filming them. It was just the audio recording, and it's like, well, what about Ricardo? No, he's too expensive. Hulkenberg. So it's very interesting to be thinking if that conversation was just happening at Silverstone, how early on that like that had already been decided. But it could also have been recorded from any point, and they were like, Netflix is like everything happened at Silverstone, so we're just gonna throw yeah, this we here. We had to watch the crash again, again, the third time. And I'm just, I, oh, I don't want to see it anymore. It was awful enough in real time. It was just, oh, yeah, you're right. We will. I don't know. I give this episode a one light out of all. No, not even close to lights out and away we go. No, yeah, not, not even close. I will also give it a one. This has been my least favorite episode so far. Um, 
it didn't even get like exciting Gunther like quote lines that made me laugh. I just kind of this episode just kind of made me feel sad. Right. And yeah. We got some like Seb. The Seb we was did nice. Get Seb. And I was uh, that, that from the rumors I heard, I thought we weren't going to get any. And I was like, if there is any episode to get a Seb, I'm glad it's this one. I'm glad that it was you know showing Seb and Mick together, and you know Seb talking about Michael and all. Of this is what I watched the show for. The yeah. dramatic, like, Oscar working out and the, the, the tweets and the... I'm, I'm feeling, like, all kinds of, like, F1 drama chills. Like, yes, we're here. This, this is the Drive to Survive episode I've been waiting for since August. As soon as I saw the Oscar tweet of, you know, I, I, you know, I heard this. This is not what is happening. I was like, this is going to be the wildest thing on Drive to Survive. Uh, this is the background behind the scenes that we did not have access to or get to see at all. Um, and I, I, it is as chaotic as I anticipated being. And of course, they split it between like Alpine into like a McLaren episode, which we won't get into because I can't think about it. But wow, 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 wow. We got. Before we get into the Oscar drama, though, we need to talk about the ironing of the dry fit shirt and the beet juice. And that's how they decided to introduce that Otmar is now the Alpine principal. And he's like practicing his French, you know, <laughs> like verse reciting his name and like hello in French. It was like really leaning into the like French team. And I'm going to. Assimilate. I thought that practicing French was the most endearing part of it, but like once he's pulled out the beet juice, I just was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, and uh, not that this is a unique opinion, but I think like Checo's reaction to, oh, Seb's on Instagram? And then like the retiring video, I have never related to that man so much my entire life. That was my exact series of emotions of, oh, he's on Instagram. Oh my God, what is this black and white video? Some of the best producing that Box to Box Films has ever done was <laughs> showing Checo that to get that reaction. I, as much as I personally dislike Fernando Alonso, that man is made for good TV. Like looking at the camera and saying, I am still the villain at the end of that was just so self-aware and perfectly dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And because and it, it, it adds that he's just so like matter of fact about it. He's like, I didn't have a contract. Aston Martin gave me a contract and I liked it. So I left. This is the first episode where I felt like we learned something, though, because it did confirm that Alpine had the contract details with Alonzo, and then Alonzo took the other contract, which is well within his right, but it was right. kind of up in the air at the time whether or not, like, Alpine even provided the contract, or, but it, it, based on this, it seems pretty clear that Alpine did provide the contract, and Alonzo just signed the other one. Yeah, or it seemed like maybe things with Alpine were, like, Moving a little bit slower than Fernando wanted them to, but then I'm sure. Yeah, for a dollar amount. Yeah, I, that's Fernando what I was about to say. Is I'm sure Lauren Stroll came in like swinging the big bucks because it's what he does best. 
And, you know, how could you say no? And then especially it's an extra bonus when Aston Martin has like a bit of promise at the end of the season, but he was already signed. That was just, you know, sheer luck. But yeah, it, it definitely uh, added a little bit more exciting context than uh, <laughs> we had previously. Yeah. I really just the end of this episode got me unbelievably hyped. Like, you know, the Alpine tweet, then the Oscar tweet, and we just get dramatic Oscar working out, and then mm-hmm. like Zach Brown saying, we're going to go after Oscar, and it's like, all of it at once. It felt like the, like knowing where it was going, the entire episode just built perfectly to this crescendo of, oh my God, I have to watch the next episode. I need yeah. it now. Um, yeah, the this conversation at the launch of, you know, our future with our reserve driver and it, uh, just renegotiating with Alonzo. Like there was just, I love how DTS takes conversations about like hopes for the future, which we know really almost mean close to nothing in this sport. And then at the end of the episode, it's just like all flung upside down. Yeah. And we do know they record throughout the year with these people. So I love that they're not like they're just taking their quotes from earlier in the season <laughs> where they were so joyful and full of hope <laughs> oh um okay i definitely well what well, what would you rate this episode i'm gonna give this five lights i thought this was a great dts episode i think it again gave us context to things that we were like really interested in and uh from last season that we like wanted more of and we're like dying for that behind the scenes of the silly season like it was just such a like definition of a circus so and the editing it was dramatic enough Uh i'm i'm yeah five lights not lights out we're at five lights i think this is a lights out for me and i think what tips me over the edge versus you is that i got to watch your face the whole time as a supplement to everything going on. <laughs> so this is, I think this is a lights out and away we go. Like this was, I, there might be an episode as good as this in here, but I don't know if it will top this. Like, oh my. Okay, we have to yeah. stop recording so we can watch the next one. I'm, I'm hyped. Okay.